gentlemen, and welcome once again to Fake History. Um, let's, with me, as always, are John Gilday and Lisa Lowe. Hi, guys. How are you? Hello. You know me, big man. Living the dream in lockdown, as always. Um, I was waiting for it. I was waiting for the line. There we go. Oh. Well, I kind of need to say it. My tagline has always been living the dream, but now I'm in lockdown. It has to be. It has to always be said now. It does. I think it'll just keep continuing staying at once about a lockdown, if I'm being honest with you. It kind of has a nice ring to it. Well, the pubs aren't due to open until Christmas, so it is effectively a lockdown, isn't it, until then? Oh, yeah, don't, don't say that, mate. Don't painful. depress me today. Ah, it's going to be just going to have to build a bar at home, okay. man. That's all we do. Just build a bar. Just screw in a shelf. Yeah. Right. Okay, guys. Um. So today we are going to go off script a bit. We were going to do Jack the Ripper, and we've uh, we've delayed that until later in the week because there's something I think that um is happening in the world uh, that we would be remiss in not looking at, uh, and that's the Black Lives Matter. Um. Now we're gonna we're not gonna spend a million years on this. We're not gonna spend a lot all day on this one. Um, for the simple fact we don't have the right to. Um, and that's a lot of what I'm going to talk about today, which is it's all very good and all very well for us to say we stand uh, with black people. We 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 support you. We're we're with you. You know, riot and look places with you. Um. But it, it, it doesn't change it. And, and why I say that, I, I see an awful lot of people, and two different things I'm going to say. I see an awful lot of people also saying, all lives matter, though, all lives matter. Well, let me tell you something. Fuck all lives matter. You will have your day in the sun. It doesn't make you sound big and clever. This is about something historic that's been happening for hundreds of years for a specific group of people. And you don't understand. And I don't understand. And that's the other thing. I hear people saying, I understand because I don't, I understand that I don't understand. Well, also, fuck you. Because, yeah, you're right, you don't understand. But you cannot understand. And that's what people are getting across here. It's like, if we are white and privileged, etc., we don't have the background. We don't have the authority to stand there and, and moralise in this. Because we don't understand. And we can't understand because we've not gone through it. Not remotely in any of our history has any of that happened to us. And nor, hopefully, will it. But the other problem is, is that they cannot fix this themselves. Black people cannot stand up and say, right, we've had enough. We're going to, because all that's going to happen is the army's going to go in the streets. They're going to kill everybody. They can't fix it themselves. They need us who don't and cannot understand. They need us to fix it for them. Or to stand with them and to help them fix it. But it's not they're not capable of doing it themselves because they do not have the representation in government. They do not have the represent, representation in army. And it's one of the things I'll talk about earlier. But right throughout, right throughout society, we have X percentage of black people and Asian people and all this kind of stuff. And yet the representation in either levels of governments, sports managers, how many black managers have we got in England? John, you'll probably know, is it two? There's 72 clubs? And yet how many players, how many of the best players have ever played for them? And yet we have people who are a decent player in a club or the club legend, so they get a chance to manage it. But the black players don't. And it's wrong and it needs to change and it needs to change by positive discrimination. So I'm going to go into it. I say to it, I say with you, that fuck all lives matter, etc. That's fine. We can't understand. Why can't we? This goes back hundreds of years. These, the ancestors, the people from Africa, were ripped away from their mother's arms 
They were ripped away from their families and they were taken. And we're not just talking about, you know, the, 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 the able-bodied men. We're talking about children. We're talking about women, etc. They were put on boats. And put in boats like 300 in a tiny little boat, nose to tail with each other, where they were force fed because they tried to starve them to death, where they were throwing themselves off of the boats to try and commit suicide. And when they were doing that, if it was husband and wife or family or brothers together, they were holding on to each other and trying to drown together to the extent. And if you're thinking this was one or two, or this is just like, they, they actually started putting netting around the ships so they couldn't escape. So when they tried to jump off and kill themselves, they would be caught. There was one incident in the Britannia where 300 people killed themselves by, by setting fire and blowing up the ship they were in because they did not want to go and be slaves because these were a proud nations of our proud people. And then they get there and they're put straight into slavery and they're told exactly what happens. And by the way, on the way there, and while they're there, they're, now all the women are getting raped, the children are getting raped, etc. And they get treated like not even second class citizens, they're just not even citizens. They're, they're property. Then we go through the Civil War and they actually get their freedom. There's so much we can say about this. But after that, you've got the Ku Klux Klan, which is still on the go today. They were going round up until the 60s, 70s, even today, with lynch mobs. And they're hanging people in the streets. They're putting tires round their necks and lighting them. And why were they doing that? Because people wouldn't suffocate with the smoke. They would literally burn their head to them because they could still get oxygen because they're outside and the tires are around there. And it's not like destroying their body. So it's literally until their head cooks, they're going to be alive. And this was a common, this was it. This is what they did, a tire necklace. Nice. This is, this is what people have had to put up with for all these years. And the thing is, you know, if you actually look at our new symbol, it looks quite like the swastika. And it's intentional because actually the swastika is a, a symbol of peace. And it's been bastardized by the Nazis. So we've got it different. It's not, it's just, it's just FH for fake history. However, it, it looks like that for a reason, because we're taking that kind of thing back. But the swastika is outlawed in a lot of countries, including Germany, right? So you go to America and you've got the Ku Klux Klan, Ku Klux Klan which are still there. And they're marching on the streets in the southern states. They have the Confederate flags, which were the ones that were enslaving them that are in every second window in those southern states. So now where are we? We're aware that these, the black people as children are brought to fear police. They're brought up to fear authority, to resent authority, to resent the police. But this is led by experience. This isn't because they've woken up this morning and go, oh, fuck the police. Because the thing is, if we go on a night out as white entitled people, and that's what we are, let's face it. If we go out on a night out and we get pished and we turn around, and this is the deepest, darkest Scotland, and we turn around and the police officer said, right, son, you've had enough on your way home. You're like, oh, fuck off. Fuck off. And you know why we, can, why we say that? Because we can. And there'll be no, the worst that will happen, you might get run home. You know, 
if you if you're really bad and some somebody took a swing at them, maybe one of them is going to sign the spell and spend a night in the jail, and that's it. No, that that that's the limit to it. But especially in over America, but here as well, they can't run to the police. Something bad happens at home. Some, somebody threatens their family. Somebody threatens them. Somebody's bullied at school. Somebody's bullied anywhere. You know, they can't run to the police because they can't trust them. I'm not saying the majority of police over there are racist, but there is a, a strong minority. The, the guys that were looked at, I think John will probably be looking at Floyd um, from last week um, or Lee, but the, uh, you know, two of the police there are carrying complaints on the record, you know, not just one, complaints on the record. So how can they run to the police? But that's who we run to. So who can they run to? Racial profiling is a real thing. You know, it's people are stopped in America constantly. I, I watched a video and, and looking into this, I, I watched a video where a chap they, they looked like somebody they wanted to, to question. So they tried to arrest this guy and there was like three police officers and, uh, and, and a sergeant came to, 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 to arrest this black guy in the street who just in their mind his own business. He's like, well, why are you arresting me? And he's like, oh, they're like, well, because you look like this guy. So we're going to take you in. And he says, but I'm not that guy. I'm such and such. And he gave his name. And they said, yeah, but we don't believe you. So, you know, we're going to take you in and we're going to question you. And then he stood up and he says, my ID's in my back pocket. And he was FBI. Now, if an F a guy from the FBI is sitting on the fucking edge of the street and he's going to get arrested because he's black, what chance have the rest of them got? When they do make complaints, they've got nepotism in the police. So, you know, as soon as you make a complaint, it's swept under the carpet. It's like, how long has it taken for these people to get arrested and to get charged, etc.? The one the other week where the guy, the jogger, was, was, was chased down and shot only became a thing. Again, the whole thing was covered up until... Actually, the video came out and then the, oh, fuck, it became public. So now they've got to do something. It's constant. You get stopped. And, you know, you go on, go on YouTube, go on to Facebook videos. You'll see all these people, they get stopped. And their first thought is to show their hands. If you or I get stopped by a police car because we're speeding, is your first thought is get your hands out the fucking windows to see you've not got a gun. Put your hands in the thing. They, they refuse to say, okay... <clears throat> and they say, you know, I, I'm not moving my hands. Show me your ID. No, I'm not moving my hands because I'm scared you're going to shoot me. And we're going to stand there and say, we understand that we don't understand. We're going to stand there and say, we stand with you. Well, we're not because we're not always going to be in the street with them. We're not always going to be able to be there with them. And until we help change these situations, Nothing in the world will change as far as racism is going to be concerned. And we are responsible for changing it because they don't have the representation to do so. How do we do it? I don't know. I don't have the answers, guys. I wish I did. I'd be having a lot more money than I am now if I do those answers. Um, one thing I would say is with sexism, this, that, and the next thing, we've made great strides. Have we got everything 100%? Is society right? You know, the gay rights. Um, LGBT, etc. We've made great strides, but we've not nailed it. There has been some 
things we've put in for positive discrimination and I think that kind of thing has to happen in society as well we have to start looking at like well, we have to change it to so the fact that the law favours and society favours black people because it's never going to right itself and like, find its way into the middle again unless we go the other way it's just not so that's my thoughts. Um, so I'm going to open up to the guys now, and I'm sorry if I got a little heated there, but watching these things, and, and as I say, there's two things, watching these horrific things happen to these people, and to this entire race of people, firstly, and then to see all these entitled people thinking they're making things better by standing for them a week on, on the street corner. You're not. You're not making it better. So stop and understand. Not understand you don't understand, but understand you can't understand. And then maybe we can move on and help and support. But let's let's not kid ourselves on that we know how they feel. Because we've never been brought up like that. We've never been brought up where we can't go to the people that we need for support and help. Okay, so that's the that's the really uncheery bit. I think we've got some some different things to look at now, and hopefully some is a bit more positive. So, uh, so as always, we'll go to uh, we'll go to John because he fills up most of my screen. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know whether mine was as positive. It's more like statistics, which is quite depressing. Which is quite depressing reading, if I'm being honest. Well, Lee can pick us up at the end. Then there, there we go. There we go. Oh, so, there we go. So Fingers the, crossed. So what you're trying to say is Lee's the fluffer. <laughs> <laughs> that, would be, that would be the start, surely. No, again, I'd be getting paid more than I'm getting paid now for this, that's for sure. Hey, so, fire okay. on, John, what, what have you found out? Uh, yeah, yeah. So, I bet I've looked at kind of uh, stats on, in the mapping of police violence, um, uh, ranging from 2019, but also encompassing some figures from 2013 to 2019. Mm -hmm. uh, based on the figures from 2019, there was a total of uh, 1,099 uh, people killed. Um, can we take a guess how many of them were uh, black? 600? Is this America? Sorry, John. Yeah, it's America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. 600, uh, 700? It's, well, I've worked out in percentages. Yeah, it's twenty. It's twenty-four percent. Okay, right. Despite mm -hmm. only there being a thirteen percent population. Okay. I'm sorry, sorry guys. What's that? Is a twenty-four percent a what? Twenty-four. Twenty-four percent of the the total killed uh, in two in two thousand nineteen. Twenty-four percent were African American. Right, but then, but then, based on the entire population of America, the black community is based is only thirteen percent, but yet twenty four percent out of the one thousand ninety nine, uh, killed. Um, and that's killed, killed. What is that? Killed yeah, yeah, that's killed. Custody. Killed. No, that's killed by police. Yeah. Not yeah. police custody. That's killed by yeah. It's killed by police. Uh, again, I don't, I know, I, I don't know all the cases and stuff like that. How many was warranted? But it's just, it's just an interesting stat. that consider twenty. It's like the highest percentage, yeah. But one of the lower percentages there's in terms of the population. Yeah, there's an interesting one I, I saw on um, on YouTube. One, one thing again, looking for this. It's, it's, I mean, this has been an absolutely fantastic thing to do for me, and I think we've all spoken about this. Um, which is the, the amount of stuff we'd actually learn and, and teach yourself by scratching under the surface of these things. 
uh, and I saw one piece of footage where um, there was uh, sort of side by side comparisons, and there was a black guy. As I say, it was one of the, like the traffic stops where it was just sitting, and they, he he had his hands like this on the steering wheel, and the uh, and the, the policeman is trying to say to him, right, okay, show me your ID. And he's like, he's going out the window, the window's down. He's like, no, I'm not moving my hands because you're going to shoot me. You're not, I'm not moving my hands. You, you can go and you can get my ID. You're not going to shoot me. And, uh, and then he actually steps away and he's got another couple of colleagues coming. And uh, he actually steps away and pulls his gun and points at the guy and he's shouting, gun, gun. And the guy's, I've got my hands in the fucking steering wheel. I've got my hands in my fucking steering wheel. I do not have a gun. I do not shoot me. Do not shoot me. Right? And he's saying this. And then, on, so that's one half of the screen. And the other half of the screen is a white guy who they're trying to arrest for, um, I, for drunken disorder or whatever. And he's jumped onto their police car. He's so it's, it's on dash cam. It's their dash cam. He's jumped on the police car. He's kicked shit out of their windscreen. So the windscreen never and smashed and all this kind of stuff. They've never drawn anything. You know, they stood there and watched them, like, do all this to the car. And when he got back off the car, they're trying to arrest him again to talk to him and all this kind of stuff. And you're like, the fuck? You know, and the, the difference between a white, a white guy who's actually going nuts and a black guy who's saying that, I don't move my hands because you're going to shoot me. You're looking for an excuse. And he actually said, you're looking for an excuse to shoot me. Um, and then the guy goes, go on, go on. What are you talking about? He's got his hands in the fucking steering wheel. Oh, it's madness. Madness. Sorry, yeah, there's a great, there's a great stand-up. Sorry, guys, there's a great stand-up sketch by um, Chris Rock, and he goes on about uh, a certain. He goes on about some guy, some black guy in the 1920s, I think. I hope I tell this right. Anybody can Google it. You'll find out the details. I'll, I'll veer off of the facts, but anyway, the point of it was there's a black guy in an old truck, and he's got a police car behind him, and he's driving up to a stop sign, and he's like, oh shit, what the fuck am I supposed to do? If I stop, this policeman's going to know that I can read. And then he's going to think I'm intelligent. And if he thinks I'm educated, he's going to kill me. If I don't stop, I'm going to crash into that car over there. And then I'm going to get fucked. So I'm fucked either way. And it's something as simple as putting it across like that. That again, this is something, you know, as you're saying, Kendall, sometimes we, we can't comprehend the it's this it's the little ones, it's not the big ones. It's the little tiny things that 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 really desecrate it the most. Yeah. You know? It's the fact that you can't cross the street without being questioned or looked at. It's the fact that you can't go into a grocery store on the corner without looking suspicious or being treated as suspicious. You know, and then somebody has to come up with some kind of quantum conundrum as is to, there's a stop sign. I know it's a stop sign. Do I stop? Yeah. Yeah. Right, John, back to your statistics. So what else have you got for us? Well, there's the kind of areas I've looked at as well. Um, mm -hmm. One of the two highest areas, um, eight out of the, the 100 largest city police departments in the U.S., kill black men at a higher rate than the actual US total murder rate. Which is quite which is quite interesting. Six you're 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 six times more likely to be killed as a black person in Oklahoma or Reno compared to compared to Georgia. Six times. That's the Oklahoma and Reno are the two highest areas mm -hmm. for uh, for recorded deaths. Um 
in two this is an interesting one. In two thousand and nineteen, how many days like the two hundred and fifty calendar year, mm-hmm. how many days did the police not kill anybody in two thousand and nineteen in America? Well, let's, let's take the holidays. So I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go for about say they took the days off in the holidays. So say nine national holidays, five days of vacation. So let's go fourteen. Three. Twenty-seven. 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 Twenty-seven days where there wasn't somebody killed by the police in America. Again, in a year, out of three hundred and sixty-five. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Out of the out of the, mm. out of the, the calendar year two thousand and nineteen. Yeah. Madness. And uh, <laughs> along with the fact that they must have been understaffed. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody must have been on holiday. Holiday uh, season. <laughs> Dunkin' Donuts was obviously fucking busy. Um, uh, a couple other ones. Uh, the black people are three times more likely to be shot than white people. Mm-hmm. And black people are, it goes back to what you were actually talking about, one, uh, like 1.3% are more likely to be unarmed. Yeah. Compared, compared with white people. Yeah. 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 I'd it's, seen that one. Um, yeah. But the, the most interesting one is um, from 2013 to 2019, out of all of those deaths, now I, I don't know the total figure of, I've only taken the figure for 2019, which is 1,099. Mm-hmm. But if you multiply that by six years, take as an average, only three officers have been charged and one has been convicted yeah, in that six-year six period. It's madness. But and you, fi- just sorry, just to finish off, in mm-hmm. two thousand and nineteen, uh, there was the the kill rate for Afghan uh, for black people with ninety six, which is five percent, were killed by an off duty police officer. Yeah, off duty. Yeah. Wow. What I would what I would say as well is that now what we're talking about and I don't I don't know if if we well, don't know if you're gonna look into um to, to, to the events that happened last week they've set this all off by that pure poor, poor guy, Floyd. But the um I, I take it you've all seen the footage. Uh I and there's some yeah uh, it, I, I it's deeply it's deeply, deeply troubling. Uh, in it, it's so many levels. It's not just because we're watching somebody die and we're watching somebody beg, beg for his mother. Um and mm-hmm. you know begging not for them not to kill, but mm-hmm. it's the fact that so many people, and it's you know it's uh, we're we're saying again it goes back to the fact that we stand with them we stand with them well, you know there was people that were stood with them, and there was people that filmed it. Yeah. But the thing yeah. is, you know, and it goes back to what I was saying. But what, <sighs> but what more? Because the people that were filming it, session that were there, were black. What would have happened if they'd have gone over and tried to get that police officer off the guy and saying he's fucking passed out? Nine minutes. Nine minutes. You know, he stopped responding. You know, he stopped breathing. The the fireman, the fireman comes along and says, take his pulse, check his pulse. And they didn't do it. You know, it's like they're, they're so entitled. And then people still think that you know, ah, oh, well, we yeah, we understand, we stand, but you don't, you don't, you don't understand that you don't understand all this kind of stuff. And there's nothing you can do to, you know, the only way to do it, the only way to change this, is to have those policemen 
scared that fuck I, I need you know I, I can't do that anymore I can't do that anymore I'm going to jail I'm going to jail I think, I think the police officer concerned needs to be made a fucking example of they all do they all do because they, they, yeah they, yeah but they, this, this has been one of they, the most high profile cases in a lot of years oh yeah yeah no I mean the, the four officers if, yeah I mean the I, four if officers they, I, I, if they don't if they don't fling the fucking book yeah yeah. Know, yeah but guys it's, this goes deeper than just police brutality you know right. th- th- this this is you know don't don't get me wrong what's just happened here you know it's it, it's difficult to correctly or incorrectly categorize it because you can look at it in different ways the man that we're talking about just now you know in particular george floyd was a victim of racism he was in a victim of police brutality and he was the victim of a very, what for some people, was a casual day-to-day job being undertaken. It, it's not just, a, it, it need, it, it's, it, you know, racism is deep and it falls deep. And it's not just the actions, you know, it's not just punishing the actions. No, but that's but what you, I'm saying. That, that's what I'm saying. I'm trying to yeah. say what, what you need to do is the only way to change it is you need to change. So at the minute where we are, is you and, and as I've explained, what where you have you see a policeman at the minute where we are in society in America, I, but let's not pretend this doesn't happen here, okay? But let's not no, worldwide, yeah. yeah, um, and including Scotland by the way. So let's not pretend it doesn't absolutely because it does. However, where they are at the minute is that the black people over in America in particular and everywhere else are terrified and they have to in front of a white man, in front of um, a policeman, in front of an arm, whoever, they have to watch their behavior. They have to be a certain way. The ones with a chip in their shoulder are because, you know, actually, you know, you have to look after your family. A lot of it comes from that, you know, the, you, you have, because you can't trust anybody else to do it. So you have to do it, right? So that's where it is at the minute. And, you know, they hate the police and all this kind of stuff. And what has to happen at the minute is that has to change around. So the fact that the police have to think to themselves, I must be seen to be protecting this black person. And a lot of them, because a lot of them are racist, and a lot of them will either quit or a lot of them will, you know, just not be able to hack it or whatever like that. But that's the initial change that needs to be made. It's like the, the onus and the fear needs to be not so that the black guy walking down the road is in fear. It's the case of the, the white cop, and that's what has to be done. He has to be able They've all got body cams and shit on now. Every one of them should be looked at the end of a shift and said, right, okay, you did X, Y, and Z wrong. They, these guys have to be absolutely squeaky clean, and they have to be doing their best. That I'm not all of a sudden making every black person to be out like, you know, Jesus and, and you know, uh, the most wonderful person in the world. When no, when no crime happens and there are high crime rates in these areas, etc. I get it. Not everybody's a model citizen. I understand that. But to fix the problem, or to begin to fix the problem, because I'm not going to pretend that I know the magic wand to do it, but to pretend to fix it, it has to completely switch. The power has to go the other way. It's like, you have to, if you make an arrest of a black person, 
then you have to be fucking watertight and there has to be a reason. If you're going to stop somebody and search them that's black, there has to be a watertight. If you're going to pull somebody over on the side of the road, it has to be for a watertight reason. It can't be, <coughs> well, actually, you know, because the racial profiling is is an absolute nonsense and people need to be, they, they have to be colorblind. And at the minute, the minute somebody is pulled over because they're black, the minute somebody's searched because they're black, the minute they're like, oh, you look like the black man and we're looking for a black man. The minute any of that's mentioned, then they should be they should be released on technicalities. And then the police are scared and thinking this isn't going to fly unless I'm absolutely followed the book and show that I am actually X, Y, and Z. A, you'll lose a lot of the police because a lot of them are racist and they won't hack it. But B, confidence will start to grow. Now, you just need to look in the west coast of um, Scotland to see that like when these when society starts to change, etc., that doesn't mean it takes generations. It, you know, it, these things don't get forgotten about. These slights have actually, the genuine slights have happened. And this racism, because the Irish suffered horrible racism um, from, from the British, etc. Um, not to the same degree, I'm not comparing them both. However, it will take many, many generations before that goes away and the hatred's still there. And that's not going to change overnight. It's going to take generations because generations of black people have been terrified for their lives. I've been terrified to go to the police, I've been terrified to go to this, what we term as the good guys, because the good guys are the ones that are fucking killing them. Um, and it needs to change. It just needs to change. I'm a firm believer that it heals from home. Yeah. That it and heals all, from know, home? Heals from home. Yeah, like generations like Kendall's talking. Mm. You know, I mean, I mean, you look at you know, like racism, sectarianism, all of that. It stems from people's beliefs. It's bedded in, isn't it? You know, it gets that, handed that's the down. Only way that's that's mm. the only way that's going to change. Yeah, mm -hmm. it starts at home. You, you hear at home. I think it's the right. Do you know, there, there's a horrible thing about that, that 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 begins to a certain point where we even try to neutralise a, a, a hideous something. Um, and and one of them is um, is the, the the biggest fucking thing ever. You know, well, not the biggest thing ever, but one one of the awkward ones for white people to touch upon is the N word. And actually, you know, on, on something like that, we've already desensitized or sterilized that whole word by calling it the N word. You know, the the reality of that word um, being created and being used was is is so bad that there's no way of skirting around it and if, if somebody wants to use that word do you know something say that word and be accountable for it because it's it's very easy nowadays you've got people and they go i mean you know here's a, here's here's one sorry just to be off slightly but um is it okay for a 13 year old white girl, let's just say born in Aberdeen, to sing and scream and dance in the mirror along to her favourite rapper who just so happens to use the elated N-word 26 yeah. times in a song. Yeah, not only that, but it's like how many of them, like the aforementioned um, like eight, 20, 22 year olds <coughs> on Facebook using it to describe their squads and in very comments like fuck off you know get mm -hmm. this, this, this wee white guy oh you fuck off yeah you clueless 
cunt. Pardon the French guys, that it's not getting cut because you know that's the, the least of the, the worries. Oh, now. unless you said the C word. Yeah. <laughs> yes, come on. I'll oh. use the M word. Yeah. <laughs> but it's the uh, but yeah, it's just it's just ridiculous. Ridiculous. Uh John, what else you got for us? Oh, I thought we were going to... Going, we're going to leave just now, yeah, come back to you. No, yeah, no, no, stats-wise, I think pretty much our board is, our board is enough um, with the stats. Uh, there is one There is one positive that I will say. Um, mm-hmm. Now, if I get my facts right here, that um, one of the safest areas to live is Buffalo in New York. They had zero deaths by police officers. Mm, they can probably hide behind the buffalo, though, don't they? Find it. Oh, and that's exactly why I was going to give up. Calm down, poker on us. Boom, boom. Right, okay, over to Lee. So, what have you? Uh, what have you got for us? I um, I've taken a different approach today, guys. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and I just want to make it very, very, very clear. Again, we've said this before to, to all the listeners. The three of us never discuss mm-hmm. precisely what we're going to talk about before recording. Yeah. And there's no change there today. We haven't mm-hmm. done that today. Mm-hmm. And what I'm about to say does not reflect on John. It doesn't reflect on Kendall. And it doesn't reflect on their opinions or anything that they believe in. I've just got a thing to say today that I have. Um, see, looking at all of this and everything that we were going to do, as you say, we were all chucked the records up, ready to go. And, and you know, something, it's, it's something like this. I read a post last night and I just thought um, there were so many reasons. I'll, I'll explain later as to why. This is something we need to talk about. It is something we need to talk about. But the following, basically, guys, you know, as long as you'll uh, all excuse and forgive me where necessarily, this is just solely my opinion. And this is just solely from my personal experience. Across history and across the world, there's always been a racial target for hate. Whether it's the Jews, the French, the Asians, black people, Muslims or Mexicans. Let's just go on to the current event of black people. Black people born in America today, they're Americans. I don't know why they're all referred to as African Americans. I don't know that. You've already separated them, in my opinion, as a group. They're no longer Americans. They're different to an average American. Because some prick came out of his mother's fanny in Chicago. It doesn't make him any different or any better to somebody that's black that came out of the same place in a different place in New York, okay? Black people that are born in America are Americans. Afro-Americans, I don't understand. So you've separated them as a group. Let me go somewhere with this and please bear with me. Oprah is black. I have never thought about Oprah being black until before researching for this one tonight, this podcast tonight. I hear Oprah, and I hear super fucking rich, super famous, 
mega successful. She's known worldwide by her first name. It's like Elvis, but she's lived longer than he has. I don't understand why we refer to black people as black people. Why the fuck are they not just people? And I say just lightly, but why is it that the black guy or that black girl, why isn't it the guy in the green shirt? Why is it not the girl with the tattoo on her arm? Why is it not that fucking tall prick shouting a load of pish over there or that moody cow that's quite simply just a bitch? That way, you're always described as being different. Being any color of any sort from any ethnicity should be the last thing that defines you as an individual person. Is Rihanna black? No. She's a sexy as fuck musician. She's a fucking businesswoman. She's an actress, etc., etc. She's a brand. Is Michael Jordan black? No. I've literally got weeks worth of stuff to talk about Michael Jordan without having to mention his skin color. Michael Jordan isn't black. He's the all-time fucking greatest of something that he did. He's the fucking goat, right? Is Michael Jackson black? Well, that's an interesting one, okay? Because, for example, did his voice change when he went white? Did his skills get any better? Did they get any worse? No, he was the same old wacko jacko. Was OJ black? No, OJ was a murderous, evil cunt. And that is what defined those people. That is what can define people. It's not necessarily your color. It's so easy to say something that sounds wrong, but I mean it in the right way in what I'm saying. I'm not trying to come across in the wrong way. I learned last night, being online, to not entirely be silent. This is just my personal opinion, and this is me trying to at least do something that I feel or I believe. I don't entirely need to understand the history or what we've experienced and what we have never experienced to understand what is fundamentally wrong. In the most immediate case, someone kneeling on someone's throat for eight and a half minutes until they fucking die is wrong, no matter what the situation, no matter what the circumstances. I, in the slightest possible way personally, I've been a foreigner. I've been a foreigner in the country that I've been born in, as well as abroad. I lived in Holland. I was born and raised in Aberdeen until I was 11, and I finished my primary school here. And nearly every single day, and even after school, I was a victim of the, don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to match up here, uh, the lightest and smallest scale of Aberdeen, casual, uneducated, handed down racist. Now, I was called anything from N-word Elvis, because I had a little bit of side burnage going on, you know, a little bit longer than the rest. And of course, a slightly darker complexion, if you know me or if you've seen me. It's called a packy every day. It's called a darkie. All the classics came out on a daily basis. So with those words used in a damning and hurtful manner, it's easy as a child to confuse those things and those words and affiliate them to bad things or even to bad people. And children can be brutal and they are fucking brutal. Too fucking honest and, uh, for many to handle. 
So that education needs to come in at a very early stage. And that is part of it. It's not all of it. It's mentality. I moved to Holland when I was 11. The same person, the same color. And guess what? I was a fucking local celebrity, a superstar. Everybody wanted to know me. I was almost exotic there, coming from Scotland, believe it or not. In Holland, there was honestly, my, my friends came from, and there was loads of people from Greece, from China, from Poland, from Bosnia, from Turkey, and friends from Suriname, all those islands and all the rest of it, so on and so on. Proper exotic places. There was a few of them, or more of them. And I was the only Scottish person there, a single Scot. Maybe I had a couple, one or two uh, English people there, and I was the only Scot. And for five years, I only experienced firsthand one form of hatredism or racism once. When I was 14, on a football pitch, when a Dutch kid from the other team who was manning me came out of nowhere and said, you fucking Turk. So I was left totally confused. Totally confused by that. Didn't get it. When I first went to Holland, there was at an international school for a year to learn the language. And there was constantly throughout the whole year, new, pupil, new pupils being added to the classes throughout that year. These, was, these were all effectively asylum, asylum seekers, sorry. They were all kids, all my age, younger or slightly older, all on their own or from war-torn, uh, they, they came from war-torn Bosnia and Yugoslavia at the time, and also from Turkey. Um, and I spoke to a lot of my friends who were from those countries at the time. And it was only then that I realized without being a victim in any way in my life that they were truly victims and also that they were multi-victims. They've lost their family, they've left, fled to foreign country on their own and now they're also victims of racism when they didn't have enough to fucking deal with. The people that suffer this and fight through it all, even though they should never have had to in the first place, they shouldn't be silenced, we shouldn't negate the severity of it, they shouldn't have to suffer and they should never have had to stand alone. And they should be recognized for their strength, their bravery and their resilience first and not for their fucking color or their race. I want to play a little clip just now, recorded in 1981 by a groundbreaking comedian who I hope we all know, Richard Pryor. It was recorded on the live on the Sunset Strip. If you just please all listen to this in its entirety, we'll come straight back to you. It's nice to have pride about your shit. I went home to the motherland, and everybody should go home to Africa. Everybody, especially black people. <clears throat> really, man, there is so much to see there for the eye and the heart of the black people. Because white people, you'll go there and you get ideas. Well, that's the way the black people in America should be, walking around with sticks. <laughs> you'll get the wrong idea. <laughs> But man, you go, I went to the mother and my roots, right? 700 million black people. Not one of them motherfuckers knew me. I looked in every phone book in Africa. I didn't find one goddamn prize. I saw one familiar name, Jabo Walker. I called that up, this is in Arizona. One thing I got out of it was magic I'd like to share with you, you know, it's like I was leaving and I was sitting in the hotel and a voice said to me, he said, look around, what do you see? And I said, I see all colors of people doing everything, you know, 
And the voice said, do you see any niggas? I said, no. I said, you know why? Because there aren't any. And it hit me like a shot, man. I started crying and shit. I was sitting there. I said, yeah, I've been here three weeks. I haven't even said it. I haven't even thought it. And it made me say, oh my God, I've been wrong. I've been wrong. I got to regroup my shit. I mean, I said, I ain't gonna never call another black man nigga. <laughs> you know, because we never was no niggas. That's a word that's used to describe our own wretchedness. And we perpetuate it now because it's dead. That word's dead. We men and women, we come from, we come from the first people on the earth. <laughs> you know, the first people on the earth were black people. Because anthropologists, white anthropologists, so the white people go, that could be true, you know. Yeah, Dr. Leakey and them found people remains five million years ago in Africa. You know them motherfuckers didn't speak French. So black people, we the first people had thought, right? We was the first one to say, where the fuck am I? And how do you get to Detroit? <laughs> so you can take it for what it's worth. I know, like, I ain't... I'm just talking about my feelings about it. And I don't want them hip white people coming to me, calling me no nigger or telling me nigger jokes. I don't like it. I'm just telling you, it's uncomfortable to me. I don't like it when black people say it to me. I really don't no more. It's nothing. It don't mean nothing. So I love y'all, and you take that with you. I guess y'all say it. <laughs> so, um, that is just a quote from Richard Pryor and his personal opinion of that. And what I find fascinating about that is it took one trip for one black man to go to a place where he found, well, where he claimed it was his homeland, even though he was born in America and never been there. It comes down to perception and opinion. And all we need to do is change both of those, you know, perception and opinion. It is a big thing and there's a lot to do and there's a lot to change it's not quite as difficult as we want to make it at times. My reason for saying this uh, today basically was from a post from Lewis Hamilton from yesterday on Instagram. Um, he was the one that sort of made me want to stand out or step up and say something about this topic just for the fact that I'm a kind of white, Scottish, privileged, non-current victim to anything to stand up and at least have the courage to not be silent about a topic that certain people aren't deemed to speak about. And in order to want to do a podcast about something that's so relevant, it for me personally, it's taken a lot of courage to, to, to go into this today. And the only way that I could do it was making it slightly personal. Um, you know, I think one thing, you know, being slightly biased, I do love Lewis Hamilton and that, but the one thing about the only man of colour as he's quoted himself as saying, and his entire industry showed that one man can and will stand up, stand up and address the silence. 
And I think not necessarily just on this, but certainly on this right now, the world has got fucking shit that we need to talk about. The entire universe does. And things need to change, and they need to change now. That's me, guys. Well said, big man. Cheers. Yeah, yeah, pretty powerful, big man. Thank you very much, guys. I debated over that, and I really struggled with it. And I won't lie, uh, I cried over it twice today, reading it back. And really, that's why I phoned you, Kendall. I was very doubtful of doing it. But I just thought, you know what? I'm I'm just going to say what I feel and what I believe on this. And and as you say, there is sometimes no understanding or comprehending, but there's an understanding of what's wrong, when it's wrong, and what, what's right, and how things need to change, and whether they do and whether they don't, and they fucking do, and they need to change now. Absolutely. And that's where right. we are, guys. And I, I just want to find out who wrote that for me. He's, he's missus must be through the Sunday way to get cards behind him. <laughs> behind Thanks the for camera. You you, um, went, you 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 definitely tried to engage the sandwich technique there, didn't you? <laughs> aye, that was good, but I <laughs> good fucking done it for you. You're a, just, I appreciate you boy, it. It's the first you time I've read the fucking it credit for it, it man. It's, do you know? Do you know what was nice about that? It was it was from the heart, yeah. which was really nice. Uh, every single yeah. word. I do. Yeah, no, no, um, no. I know no, some of the things know. that I've said aren't actually you know relevant to um black people that haven't lived abroad <clears> and haven't. Having lived here and being brought up here, it's it's just it was more the dynamics of how racism can represent itself, yeah. uh, and it's so easy for I'm Scottish guys, I'm fucking Scottish, you know, I'm an Aberdonian. Doesn't matter about my quagmire accent, as somebody so recognises it as being, but I'm I'm an Aberdonian and I'm fucking Scottish. And Jesus Christ, man, you know, even when I came back from Holland. I was, I, Christ, I grew a beard and all of a sudden I had people shouting across the road to me, oh, it's fucking Bin Laden, you know? Um, racism is as casual as fuck, depending on where you live and where you are and how it, how it interprets itself. Um, and it's made to be okay in certain cultures. And it's not fucking okay. It's just not okay anymore, guys. We're beyond that now, you know? There's a big shift in the whole world, I think. And I think, you know, the curtains are opening. And the whole world seeing the light and a whole new different set of things. And and we can't just keep talking about it more anymore. It's time to fucking act. It's time to sort this shit out. Because it's, it's fucked. Know, Everything's what, fucked. Do you know what's quite sad? And it's quite relevant in, 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 in a lot. Is that it takes something like this to happen. For people yeah. to open their eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, you know, Absolutely. it's like it's like you know, you can you can go back look at look at you know look at history. The only time we react to something is when something happens. Yeah, you know, and it's taken for some poor poor guy to lose his life for it to be brought back into mainstream. Let's just hope now, like you used to have alluded to, that you know things need to change. They do, but but, but, the, the but state, let's but let's uh, hope that it stays in the present. And yeah. not just, not you know, it's not swept away, and then something else comes along. Let's hope yeah, it's yeah, at the yeah. forefront of people, because it is at the forefront of people's minds just now, mm-hmm. and people's mm-hmm. thoughts. Yeah, you and know, you know what? You touch on something really relevant there, John. Sorry to interrupt, but actually, you're you're fucking bang on the button. And let me not digress too much off of this topic, because this is this is our topic tonight. This is what we're discussing. Yeah. But um, being conspiracy based or what have you, um. It's it's just another one of those. 
man, I, I, I didn't plan on saying this, so I tread very cautiously. Uh, very cautious. Um, it's it's one of those things that come horribly, awkwardly, uncomfortably, perfectly timed for another fucking sort of distraction. And I'm not saying this is this is real. This ain't no man-made piece of fake news or something that's that, 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 that's just been fabricated. This is real. But look how quickly it takes the entire world to talk about Brexit to COVID-19 to this matter that we're talking about today relating to George Floyd, but obviously relates back decades and centuries ago. Yeah. No, I, you know? I, don't, I don't disagree, but it's, it's not one for today because it's, it's today, today needs to be about this, uh, mm-hmm. about this and we need to bring it back. Um, and I and John, I, I again, I, I do think you absolutely um, hit the nail on the head there. The the one thing I I say and I, I alluded to earlier on, the one thing I would say again is that it's all very well as saying all this, and for the world saying all this, and this is this is where I'm coming from. It's all very well, and as John says, we, we all stand here today and we all say right, this is it, and we must change it. But that that's the key here is that they cannot change it themselves. They can say, throughout history when things have changed, people have gone to war and, you know, the Nazis were doing X, Y, and Z, so people stood up and were counted in doing that. But black people in America cannot do this themselves. They don't have the representation. And it's only going to be changed by representation because if they hit the streets and start rioting and start trying to kill people and going to war with people, they're just going to bring out the National Guard and the Army and put them down. And it's going to set it back another 20, 30 years. And then, and then the narrative the narrative will be the fact that, yeah, oh, there was this terrible uprising and all these big bad black guys came up and started shooting cops and started shooting this one, that one, next one. It's not going to work. It has to change, and it has to change by white people taking, and this is the sad reality of it, it only changes if we change it, if, if the entitled white people realise that actually, you know, their responsibility here and begin it because it's not going to. It's just, it, this is going to take generations to get fixed. And people that kid themselves on that we all get together and we all go stand on the fucking street corner and march and stuff like that, and it will all fix it. And that's why it's like you know, it's it's like I, a friend of mine who will remain nameless. Terrible story this one, but and it's kind kind of witty, but it, it's a terrible story. But it's kind of where we sit at the minute. It was like it was in the Guildford Arms pub with a friend of mine or a couple of friends of mine we had a couple of drinks and it was opposite the Balmoral Hotel we just finished the, the Balmoral uh, 8 o'clock and I went over at 10 o'clock we're there and these lovely old women came in um, and they were collect- with their collecting tins they used to come so it was a rammed pub the Gulf and they, they were coming down with the collecting tins and it was um, and it was uh, it was cerebral cerebral palsy collecting for cerebral palsy and this chap who you know, obviously remained nameless goes into his back pocket and picks out a 50 pence piece and goes up, oh, 50 pence, that'll sort cerebral palsy, there you go, big lass, and stuck it in the, uh, stuck in the kitchen and, and then went back. And then, but that, but where I'm coming from is, us doing this podcast, people standing in the street corner and marching with them for a week, that's putting 50 pence in for cerebral palsy. It's, it's fixing fuck all. Um, and the only ones that can do that, and we're not even the ones, we, we, we can become the voice and become part of the movement to, to, to 
to prove and to move that voice up the way so that they understand those that, that, that have the power to change these things, to start to change these things, to begin the revolution, and not a revolution of people, not a revolution of, but an, an ideological revolution where people become, as you rightly say, Lee, invisible to colour. And it's generations away. And if we are lucky, um, I mean, I certainly don't intend to, to die for another 50 years. And, you know, um, you know. Good when, luck with that. Yeah, exactly. But hopefully I'm in sure my life. I'm sure that Yeah. <laughs> hopefully Stop in my life. She's, <laughs> she's already killed me off, don't worry. But every time I eat a burger or something like that, I say, I say that's it. I'm going to be a free room next week. Um, Encourage us to update the uh, will every year, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but, yeah. Yeah, but uh but yeah, that's that that's the thing. Hopefully we'll we might live to see it. And that's the sad but also the the hopeful point I would I, I would sort of say is that well maybe we can be part of the ones that are actually driving our lawmakers and, and our decision makers and the fact that you're not gonna be in your golden castle and your white house and in your palace unless you know, you act on these things because actually we want the, and we are not going to vote for you unless you do. And that's it. We're not going to put you in these places unless you do. Let's get a bit more positive. John, let's look at some of the um, the, the, the more positive role models and some of the, the, the positive things that black people have brought to us. And this is in no way trying to lighten the mood too much, etc. But it's just trying to, it's trying to get across that, you know what, this is a remarkable race who've gone through so much. Um, and historically so, they've just went through so much. I and mean, then if you look at some of the achievements that they, they have had um, throughout history, and I think John, John's kind of the sport and a sufficient adult. We all like sport, but John in particular um, is kind of across all sports and arts because that's not really a sport. But um, so I'll... Um, so. <laughs> You're obviously saying that when I'm making millions for a big man. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll pass over to John now. So who have you got for us, John? Uh, yeah, the, well, one of the first ones, which is probably one of the most, I'd say he's one of the most notable, but one of two. The first one is a, a guy called uh, Jackie Robinson. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, he was the first uh, first black bas- uh, baseball player in the mm-hmm. in Major League. Uh, and he made his debut in 1947 with the Brooklyn Dodgers, uh, and he went on to have quite a quite a you know he experienced really um, harsh racist treatment from fans uh, and and teammates and things as well. Mm-hmm. But he rose in his first year. He became he became rookie of the uh, rookie of the year, uh, and was noted as being one of the most talented and fiercest players in the game. Uh, two years into making his debut, he'd won the the MVP award, and he'd gone to play in like six World Series uh, and helped uh, the Dodgers to a first uh, first World Series in 1955 as well. Off the field, he was uh, he was kind of a forefather of the civil rights movement as well, uh, speaking out against racial discrimination uh, and pushing baseball itself to use economic economic influence. Um, uh, and basically putting his basically putting his fame in, in putting it to good use, you know. So he was kind of one of the one of the one of the forefronts for me, which I think is quite was very very positive. Was Jackie Robinson? Yep. Yeah. Um, 
Another one uh, would be uh, probably one of the more famous ones, but known-wise would be Jesse Owens. Yeah, totally. Yeah, um, he was widely considered to be the greatest track and field athlete in history. You know, um, so I would say I would say he's um, he's definitely up there as one of one of the big influences as well. Yeah, I mean Jesse Owens. I mean, for people who haven't actually looked into this kind of thing again, we've we've touched on the the kind of um, hurdles and obstacles that uh, the, the 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 black people faced in the back in these days and back in those days. But um, you're talking about the most powerful nation. We're talking, you know, it's a real fight, it's a real struggle. Every day is they're struggling against you know something and somebody. And back in the day, obviously, it was it was Hitler was was coming through. It was thirty six, wasn't it? Jesse Owens, uh, the Olympics. Yeah. And it was in Berlin and going in there. And the whole point of those Olympics for Hitler, because, you know, there's people that were going to, uh, you know, not turn up for it or whatever. Like and the whole point of those Olympics was the first stage of Hitler showing off the Aryan master race. So for, uh, yeah. for, the, for, for Jesse Owens to go and absolutely clean up, and then, um, you know, put these people back in their place. Is he a massive race? Really? Okay. Um, was, and Hitler hated it. But there's there's also, there's two there's there's two schools of thought in this. I don't know if you've known this, John. I, again, I didn't know John was bringing this up. I just I happened to be um, interested in this kind of thing. Um, but there is, a, a, there is a report from Jesse Owens himself that said, because there's, there's lots of reports at the time saying, like, oh, Hitler was disgusted and this, that, and next one, Jesse Owens won, won it. But apparently there was a, a report from Jesse Owens himself who says that after winning, I think it was his third goal, he actually bumped into Hitler um, with a couple of his officials um, backstage. And Hitler shook his hand and congratulated him. Um, and that was from John, Jesse Owens, I mean, if you saw Jesse Owens himself. Um, and again, it's just you know we're talking about you know we're talking about remarkable achievements and let's let's not belittle. Um, guess what? They've gone through horrible hardships, but you know they've had the first black president, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know they've had so many world championships. They've conquered so many sports in particular. And and, and you know it goes back to what we're saying again. John John's given us a list of, uh, of some sportsmen, etc. But why are they managing to succeed in sports? And then they, they, they can't go further. There's this glass secret. There's this glass. You know, because you go on a pitch, you're equal. And this is the thing: you go on a pitch, you're equal. You go on the track, you're equal. There's nobody can stop you because of the color of your skin. No, that's true. And that's the, that's but true. the thing is, as soon as you fucking retire and you try and get the manager's job or a coaching job, you're screwed. That's exactly it. Do you know somebody, if you, if you actually look at the world of sports, mm. and unfortunately even, and this is where I, I hate to go into this, I really hate to go into this, but even entertainment, mm -hmm. yeah? So mm -hmm. it just so happens to be that the very best in almost every single field as a black person, Jordan, Bolt, Williams, Hamilton, Tiger, Ali, Tyson, look at the NFL, look at baseball, you name it. Every single sport, or almost every single sport on the planet, it just so happens to be that black person's the best at it. Why is that than the same people? 
that there seems to be so much hatred about when at the same breath in the right situation that suits somebody for to go at the weekend to the Lakers game with the missus and a couple of pals, it's okay to idolise the same people that as soon as I'm out of this fucking building, I'm going to be racist about. That's another thing I don't understand. I mean, you know, beyond the coincidental part of, of, of all of this, it just so, it so happens that our best entertainers, even if you look into actors, actresses, musicians, artists and that, are all black. How many black people are on the board at Slumberger or Dow or GlaxoSmithKline or any of the top 100 FTSEs on the planet? So it almost feels like they're being oppressed. To, you can tickle certain heights, but just chill the fuck out, Icarus. You fly too far and we'll burn you, you know? It's the white power at the top that's the sun. That's it. That's the one it seems to be controlling it all. You can go so far, you can have so much, but you can't have it all. And you can't touch to where white power can touch to. Yeah, right. John, have you got anybody else for us? Well, fun enough, they're just talking about uh, like coaching and things like that. But this is actually, there's a guy called uh, Bill Russell, uh-huh. uh, who was the first black, first, uh, black coach in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is long before, obviously, Jordan broke onto the scene. He actually... He was he was a former centre for the Boston Celtics. Um, he helped his team win eleven championships in thirteen seasons. Uh, and in nineteen sixty six, um, he became the player coach of the Boston Celtics. And at that point, the Boston Celtics were like the biggest team, uh, basketball team in America. And he also led the U.S. national basketball team to gold in the nineteen fifty six Olympics as well. So again, another kind of glass ceiling. Broken in sport, if you like, yeah. there as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it was yeah. quite an interesting one as well. Yeah, yeah. fantastic. Yeah, then you've got like Alfred Ash, mm-hmm. first black tennis player mm-hmm. to win grand, mm-hmm. grand Slam titles as well. Yeah, you know the list is. It's like Lee said, the list is extensive. The list, but these, yeah. these yeah. are just. I've just picked out like notable ones. Yeah, more mm-hmm. so not from this era, but yeah. from an era where it was a lot tougher than it is now. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Like, much. You know, much. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's why I kind of focused on that from the like the nineteen you know nineteen forties to nineteen sixties essentially. Yeah. As well. So yeah. No, they're quite interested with them ones. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I think the reason we're seeing that as well again is is because it's important because we're coming on and we're saying right okay this is what's wrong with the world, but what we're also trying to get across is you know this this is this is what happens when you give black people the level playing field. That's all they ask for, and the mm-hmm. right, the, mm-hmm. right to, the, the right to step out from their house without fear, um, and to, to actually to, to forget, to forget, you know, that they are black. They shouldn't have to think about it. Well, at least no, they, no, totally. They that, but they shouldn't have to think about it. They should just be not Jenny Faber. Yeah, you know, exactly. Know. Like, do you know? Do you exactly. know one of the most powerful movies, sports movies, you could actually mm-hmm. watch? There's a Den- Denzel Washington one, Remember the Titans. It's one of my favourite films. I've got it. I've got it on DVD. I've got it in a Disney Plus. Um, it's one of my favourites. I don't know if you've ever seen it, Lee. I've not seen it. Remember the Titans, did you say? Remember the Titans. Remember the Titans. It's a true story and it's mm-hmm. it's very, 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 very powerful. Yeah. There's another one as well, which is quite mm-hmm. quite good as well. It's called, uh, it's actually one that Kendall recommended to me. It was The Blind Side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, yeah, that's a that's a very powerful one. Yeah. Remember, remember the Titans is just yeah. I mean how manages to turn it around. I've got to be careful because during lockdown I've been, I'm becoming very fucking emotional. I've seen me crying at fucking Kleenex adverts. Yeah. Now watch that. Oh, yeah. It's all it's also no, it's also notable because it's the first appearance of <coughs> Panettiere as the kid in Remember the Titans. So, um, but yeah, it's Con- uh, contrast that Lee, isn't it? You've got Kleenex. You're crying at Kleenex. So does that mean you're crying after masturbation as well? Yeah, <laughs> I knew there was going to be something. No, no, Listen, it's, it's every, every podcast. Masturbation. Every podcast, guys, we have to mention masturbation. Yeah. So I yeah. just thought yeah. okay, it seems that way. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a masturbation station. It's the only Thanks chance. In. Only chance he gets to have sex with somebody he loves, isn't it? Right. Okay. So Pam, right, yeah, I'm gonna, <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm going to I'm going to wrap this up, guys. Um, I think. I, I, what I'm going to leave you with is, uh, and thanks as always to, to the guys, we will be back um, with uh, Jack the Ripper uh, later in the week. Um, and um, it's, it's been a pleasure as always having you here. Um, but just from us, I mean, what we're trying to get across today is this is three men that really don't matter that much. But yeah. we are yeah. standing and we're with you. We don't understand. We can't understand what you're going through. And we will listen. And we won't pretend, but we won't ignore it. Yeah, we will listen. You know, that's it. And we will do whatever we can um, to help bring the situation that's been going on for centuries to an end. And we'll only be that small cog, but whatever we can do, we will do. So from three guys that don't matter to all you black lives that do matter, um, all the best, stay safe, and um, we'll see you next time. Cheerio, guys. Nothing but love and peace, people. Take care.